Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Stand with me, if you will, please, reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophecy of the great prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? And has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the vault of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But he merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me that I should be his equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, none of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. We thank you, Father for this wonderful word of encouragement that your servant Isaiah spoke not only to ancient Israel in the time of their distress, but whose words speak to us today. Because, Lord God, we find in our lives, moment by moment, day by day, times of trouble, times of discouragement, times of despair. And sometimes, Lord God, we don't know where to, to go who to turn to, what to do. But these words instruct us to wait upon you, to see your good pleasure, to let you take the reins of our lives and lead us, Lord, into the paths that you would have us to walk, to renew our spirit, to encourage us in mind and in heart, to lift us up and strengthen us in physical stamina. Lord, we get tired. I know I get tired. I get tired of rules and regulations. I get tired of, of, of having to follow orders that, that inhibit me, that keep me from uh, being able to express fully and completely uh, your will and your work in my life, and, and particularly your word. Lord, I miss being with your people in the congregation of the saints. I miss uh, going out and ministering uh, as uh, I am wanting to do. 
And so I ask, Lord, you'll continue to give me patience and that you'll help me to understand, Lord God, that uh, in the times that we're living in, a phone call is just as encouraging, a note, a letter is just as encouraging as a visit. And I would ask, Lord, that you will encourage all of us to see uh, above the strife that we're living in and realize, Lord God, how you can work in our lives and through our lives to continue to minister to each other. I pray your blessing upon Pastor Chris today as he will come and preach the word. And I ask that all of us will be open and receptive to the truth of your word as it is proclaimed to us today. Bless David as he will lead in the worship. Bless those who could not be with us today but her viewing in, Father, uh, through the television. And we pray that all of us will draw close together. All of us will experience the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. All of us will be lifted up and encouraged in your word. These things I ask in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And amen. What sermon would make me most uncomfortable to preach? And I thought about it, and Revelation came up. But number one for me, and maybe it's number one for you, I want to preach about patience this morning, like Pastor talked about earlier today, because I know I need lots of it. I know we all need lots of it, especially today. And patience, just the word enough, is to remind most of us that we just haven't quite arrived yet, have we? I don't care who you are, I know that you sometimes struggle with being patient. It doesn't matter whether you're a kid or you're an adult. There are times when other people get to you. Now I laughed when I was reading different stories about how best to illustrate patience So I want to read this one, and I know some of you have heard this, and I've heard this one as well, but I thought it was fitting. Anyways, it's a story of a man whose car stalled in heavy traffic, and just as the light turned green, his car died. And all his efforts to start the engine failed. I can only imagine what happened next, and you probably know what happened next. He was trying frantically to start the car, and a hundred other cars behind him were laying on their horns. In spite of his best efforts, the car wouldn't start through the entire time the light was green. The people behind him never slacked off the horn. He finally got out of his car and walked back to the driver right behind him, who had been laying on the horn, even though he could hear him trying to start the car. He politely said to the man, I'm sorry, but I can't seem to get my car started. Would you mind trying to start it for me, and I'll go back there and blow on the horn while you do it? (laughs) We are very impatient. If you don't believe it, I want you to consider this statistic. That's a tough one. What is the annual cost of people running red lights in the United States? Anyone have a venture? Seven billion dollars. Yeah, billion with a B. The average amount of time saved by running a red light? 42 seconds. We are always trying to figure out how to cram more and more things that need to be done in less and less time. We allow less and less time for things. 
We don't want to waste time because we know that it's important to us. And we feel the pressure of all that we have to do and what we have to get done, don't we? The time crunch is felt, is, is felt by everyone. We all know that feeling. There's even a church in Florida that advertises a 22-minute service. That's right. They promise that 22 minutes after the service begins, you will be dismissed. The music is fast. The prayers are quick. The sermons are only eight minutes long. Don't get your hopes up. It's not going to happen here. So going along with my sermon of patience this morning, I want to touch on the fact that patience is especially difficult in our culture because we all feel like we have so many things to do. Think about this with me for just a moment. Don't you get the most impatient when you feel the most pressure? I know that I do. And I suspect that you probably experience the same emotions and struggles that I go through. There may be a few people who haven't been able to relate to the first three fruits of the Spirit. You may feel like you have no problem with being loved or being loving. You may be convinced that for the most part, you experience joy in your life. It's possible that you rarely struggle with a lack of harmony in your life. There's not many hands that will raise if I asked you that. I know that. But I dare say there is not a person here who doesn't wish they had more patience. So this morning, I want us to begin like we should always begin in God's word. Would you turn with me to Galatians 5.22? Galatians 5.22, a familiar passage. And as you find the passage, let me share an observation that well-known Bible scholar John Stott made about the fruits of the Spirit. He has observed that the fruits of the Spirit can be divided into three groups. He suggests that the first three, love, joy, and peace, speak of our attitude towards God. The second set of three relate primarily to our attitudes towards others, patience, kindness, goodness. The final three fruits of the Spirit, he suggests, reflect attitudes towards self, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I don't know that his categories capture the fruits of the Spirit exactly, but nevertheless, his thinking may help us get our mindset around this very practical list of spiritual traits. In an attempt to help us so that I'm going to suggest four areas this morning that will help us in our understanding of patience. But let's read the passage together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So let me begin with a question for you that is foundational to the understanding of this topic. What is patience? There are a number of very interesting definitions that people have come up with that may help us understand what patience is. 
So let's look at a couple of them. Perhaps some of them will help you, some will not, because it is a cloudy area. Some of us think we know how to practice patience, but we don't have the patience to listen to somebody to tell us when we're wrong. So, patience is the ability to put up with people you'd like to put down. Have you ever heard it that way before? Patience is accepting a difficult situation without giving God a deadline to remove it. Patience is an inner calmness that comes from the knowledge that God is in control. There are actually three Greek words in Scripture that can be translated as patience. We will focus most of our attention on the third, but let me go through these because they are found in Galatians 5. Aneko, which in Greek means to, is up or hold. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. The word we're looking at here is translated tolerance in the New American Standard Version. In the King James Version, it means to bear with. And in the New International, it means very much the same, to bear with. Okay? But the idea here is to sustain or patiently bear with someone or something. The second of these words, and I have yet to pronounce this correctly, Pastor, so don't, don't come after me. Huparmon, okay? Which means under or abide. James 1, 3 through 4 says this, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The word we're looking here is translated endurance, or patience, or perseverance. The idea is that it's the patience that bears up under a load and provides steadiness in the midst of life's battles. Are we not in the midst of a life's battle? It's the patience that allows a person to endure life's challenges without giving up or going home in defeat. And although there's a little difference in these two kinds of patients, both deal with hanging during tough circumstances. We don't give up. We don't rest until the work is done. But even when it gets hard, we don't give up. The third of these words, macrothumi. Macro, which means small or slow. Thumos, which is anger. So you can imagine slow anger, slow to anger. So we need to be slow to get mad. In other words, it's the opposite of having a short fuse. Here's the key word that we're looking at. It's the idea of patience in the form we typically think about. It's not primarily connected to hanging in during difficult days, but it does involve not flying off the handle with little things. I struggle with that. (laughs) Do you struggle with that? I do. 
I like the way one Bible scholar described the idea of this word. He said, it's the idea of not getting mad over the little irritations that are so much a part of everyone's life. They're going to be there whether we want them or not. How we handle it is up to us. How we handle it is our job to take it to the Lord and allow him to help us deal with that situation. It's hanging on to our emotions when we feel like letting the fur fly over all those little silly things that so often get in the way of us living that perfect life, right? Let's be honest. Sometimes that can be a real challenge, but let me illustrate this. A man noticed a lady in the grocery store with her two-year-old daughter in the cart. The child asked for cookies. The mother said no. The little girl began to cry loudly, and the mother patiently said, Now, Missy, we're halfway done. It won't be long. The same thing happened in the candy aisle. This time, the little girl kicked and screamed. The mother said, There, there, Missy. Only two more aisles, and then we'll be done. At the checkout counter, the child reached for the gum. When her mom said no, she began to scream louder than ever. The mother said patiently, Missy, we'll be through this checkout stand in five minutes, and then we can both go home and have a nice nap. The man followed them out to help them put their groceries into the car, and he complimented the woman. He says, ma'am, I can't believe, and it's, it's amazing to me, and I noticed how patient you were with little Missy. The mother replied, thank you, but my little girl is Francine. I'm Missy. The third point that I want to make this morning, where does patience come from? We have a definition of patience, but where does patience come from? The Bible is very clear when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit that these traits come from the Holy Spirit, not of our own power. So thinking that you can control this issue or trait in your life, you are foolish, We cannot overcome this without the Lord and the Holy Spirit in our life. This doesn't mean, of course, that a person who is not a Christian cannot have any of these traits in their life. It does mean, though, that with God's help, these characteristics should be a part of every Christian's life. The reason we can get patience from God is that God has the corner on patience. Let me explain. When you look at the stories of the Bible, you can easily see that God totally operates on a different timetable than we do. Amen? We often find ourselves bent out of shape because things don't happen as quickly as we'd like them to. The truth of the matter is this. God doesn't work at the speed that we would like him to work. And I have some biblical references that will help clear this up for us. 25 years passed before Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. The only land Abraham owned in his lifetime was a cemetery plot. Israel didn't become a great nation for some 900 years. David was anointed king, then Saul chased him for many, many, many years. Jesus waited 30 years after his birth to begin his public ministry. 
You see, the psalmist was not joking around when he wrote that a thousand years is like a day to God and a day is like a thousand years. So what's the point? The way God does things is often totally different from the way we would like him to do things. We are ready for things to be done yesterday, right? But God's timetable is very different. God never gets in a hurry. So consider the following. Like I said, God appeared to Abraham when he was 75 and promised to make him a great nation. Very few fathers, especially in here, would wait until they are 75 to begin a family. And if I was 75, I would not want to start a family. <laughs> Prime example, why? So you would expect God's promise to be fulfilled quickly. 75 years to us would seem such a long time. But to God, it's just a blink of an eye. And to his purpose. We don't understand why things take as long as they do. We don't understand half the things that go on around us. But that is not our job. Our job is to trust God. To allow him to work his plan in our life. To allow things to happen as he seems fit they should. God also told Abraham that every place his foot touched would be given to him. Now that's, for me, that's quite an amazing promise if you think about it. But yet this promise isn't fulfilled on Abraham's timetable either. Abraham traveled many places during his life. The only land Abraham owned, again, was a cemetery plot. See, the the promise would be kept, but it didn't turn out the way Abraham thought it should. Abraham's descendants would leave the promised land 400 years later, but they would return. But you see, the point is, God is not in a hurry. We don't need to be in a hurry. And I know, especially now, with the restrictions and everything else, and believe me, I'm on the side of, let's just open up, right? But we have to exercise patience here. There is a reason we're doing what we're doing. And all trust is in God. We have to believe that. Also, the idea of becoming a great nation was going to take even longer. After 400 years in Egypt, the people would wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Then they would enter the promised land where they would remain a weak, immature nation for many years. You can read about the instability of the young nation in the book of Judges if you need reference. But in reality, you see, Israel didn't become a great nation for 900 years. The more you look at the stories of the Bible, it's easier to see that God does not get in a hurry. Let's go to the story of David. God had Samuel anoint the young man to be the second king of Israel. David didn't seek out the job. God sought him out for the job. I can only imagine that visions of grandeur filled David's head the night after he was anointed to be the new new king. However, we know that God's timetable is different. David was anointed king, and then Saul chased him for years. Are we getting the picture here? 
God's timetable is very different than David's timetable. God is always providing us opportunities to exercise patience. One more additional look in the New Testament. Jesus spent 33 years on earth. If I had been the one establishing the plan here, I think I would have had him hit the ground running, so to speak. I mean, 33 years is such a short life. I would think he would want to make every minute count, but he did. But again, it was not on our timetable. Jesus spent those three years in public ministry, but the ministry that came out of those three years was truly astounding. Jesus waited 30 years after his birth to begin his public ministry. So for those individuals that always say, I'm too old to minister, or it's too late for me, or like for me, I started school late. It is never too late when we have God on our side. It is never too late to get involved. It is never too late to allow God to do something wonderful in your life. It doesn't matter if you're zero or a hundred. God can use you. Most of us find it difficult to be kept waiting an hour. But God works at his own speed, not ours. And I'm reminded that in the passage that we read this morning, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So if you want to fly, if you want to run, or if you want to walk, you must learn to wait on God. And finally, how does patience work? We have a definition. We know where it comes from. How does it work? Now, I've tried to kind of lay out the groundwork as to what patience is all about up to this point in the sermon, but now I want us to get a little more practical. How does patience work in the United States in 2020? You thought of that? Has it changed since two years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago? How does it work in your life and in mine? I think patience is even more of a challenge in our culture than it is in most others because of the way we approach time. Let me explain. We live by the clock. How many of you in the process of me beginning have already looked at your watch? Yep. Let me tell you, when I visited Cabo San Lucas last year for the master's program in Europe some 20 years ago, I discovered that much of the rest of the world is a lot more laid back than the way we approach things here. We live by the clock today. And some of you are wondering, when am I going to finish this? Like I said, you're checking that clock, right? But it's the way we measure nearly everything on a typical day. You might be surprised to know that our concept of time would have been completely foreign to people of the Middle Ages. People in those days didn't think in terms of hours, minutes, and seconds. In fact, the second wasn't even introduced until the early 1700s. 
But in our desire to accomplish all that we can and as many things as we can at one time, there is a way to help us. And most of the guys will grumble when I say this, but a to-do list. Please don't hear me putting down having a to-do list. I can assure you that I regularly have a list of things that I'm trying to accomplish. I may not write it down like my wife would like me to, but I do have a list in my head. You know, I was enrolled in a management class early in my master's studies, and one of the primary concepts they taught was to have a list and then work your list. However, the downside of a list is that while lists may help you get more done, they don't help you do the most important things in your life. For example, the most important things in life cannot be put down on a to-do list. Our desire to be a good husband, a good wife, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, that's not something that you could put down on a list, spend five minutes, and improve each day. It's a little more complicated than that. Now, it's not wrong to make a to-do list. It is wrong to become so tied to that list that we don't have time for others and immediately become impatient with them. There's a quote by a pastor's wife that I read, and I'm going to read this to you because I thought it was pretty appropriate. But the wife's name is Liz Reynolds. She writes, It wouldn't be hard to be patient if it weren't for other people. Now, I know we've heard this used in similar ways and similar phrases. But one thing that we need to do, and it's my final point, we need to develop a new perspective. Okay? It's the last point, and I, I, I want you to consider this. We can find a new way of looking at a situation or a person who is causing problems for us. That is what the oyster does. The oyster takes an irritation, a grain of salt, or I'm sorry, sand, and it turns it into a pearl. A pearl is nothing more than a garment of patience surrounded by an annoyance. Think about that. A pearl is nothing more than a garment of patience surrounding an annoyance. Another patience builder is to remember you're in the game for the long haul. It's not how you start that counts. It's how you finish that really matters. In the Old West, when there was a particularly wild horse that needed to be broken in, and the horse was too wild or too dangerous to put a man on it, a little burrow or a donkey would be harnessed to the horse. Now that horse bucking and raging, convulsing up and down, the two would be let loose out into the desert. As they disappeared over the horizon, the horse would be dragging the little donkey along, bucking, kicking, and throwing the donkey around like a sack of potatoes. They might be gone for days, but eventually they come back. The little burrow would be seen first trotting back across the prairie, leading the submissive horse in tow. You see, somewhere out there in the desert, the horse would become exhausted of trying to get rid of that burrow. And in that moment, the burrow would take control and become the leader. That's the way it is in the kingdom, too. The battle goes to the determined. The battle goes to the patient person, not to the outraged. The battle goes to the committed disciple, 
not the overly dramatic. So this morning, what I've been trying to say is that patience means giving others the time and space that they would like to have yourself. It means hanging tough when we feel like blowing up. It means allowing God to help us be patient with others, just as we want him to be with us. It's being patient while we wait for the year 2020 to pass, right? Patience works differently in all of us, though. And let me illustrate that with one more story for you. A four-year-old boy and his mother, who was on a long trip together, he kept asking the same question. I'm sure you know the question. Are we there yet? Finally, his exasperated mother said, we still have 90 more miles to go. Don't ask me when we're going to get there again. The little boy fell silent for a while, and then he timidly asked one more question from the back seat. Mom, will I still be four when we get there? I know, in my heart of hearts, I know this whole quarantine thing is winding down. And I know we are all anxious to get back to doing things the way we do things around here. And I will tell you, it's coming. We need to look at this situation like a Paul would, or a David, or a Moses. We have an opportunity to practice patience. Someone in here must have asked for patience, so God gave you an opportunity here. And we, when we find the person who asked for it, no. <laughs> Folks, this is an unprecedented opportunity to demonstrate patience in our culture. We can do it with God's help. The next time someone cuts you off on the highway, instead of giving them a piece of your mind that you can't be without... Remember, it was probably an accident. When you are tempted to be impatient with your children or grandchildren, remember that you were once a child too. I'm not at all suggesting that you don't make them behave. I'm talking about the fact that your children are going to be children because, well, they're children. I'm suggesting that you show others the patience you want them to show you. And as I conclude this morning, let me remind you that God has shown us patience. God has shown us mercy by sending his son for us. And if you're here this morning and have never asked him to be a part of your life, I pray that you make that a priority in your life. Would you do that this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We know that we must trust in you with all our heart and we must know that we have to lean on you and not our own understanding because the path that we choose will certainly lead us to destruction. It is foolish to let our hearts guide our own paths. So Lord, this morning we place our lives in your hands. We pray that we never doubt you in your wisdom Instead, we need to acknowledge you in all your ways so that you could grant us patience and direct our paths in line with your word. Lord, we call upon you and know that you will answer us and tell us the great and unsearchable things that we do not know. 
And Lord, I thank you for the divine understanding that reveals to me the things that I do not understand. I pray for patience and understanding in all areas of my life, my workplace, my home, my relationships, in all things. Lord, thank you for allowing me to see things like you do. Lord, help me to be patient with great understanding because an individual who isn't and is quick-tempered displays foolishness. I pray that here on earth we reflect you in all ways and that your understanding will govern our behavior. Lord, let patience have its way within our hearts so that we can reflect a godlike patience to those around us. Let your understanding shape us as leaders and servants so that we can reach and understand those who need you the most. And all of God's people said, Amen. Have a great day in the Lord. The Bible says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.